Hey, One Song listeners, Luxury here. What you're about to hear is the second part of our interview with the legendary songwriter and producer, Jimmy Jam. Now, if you didn't already hear part one, I highly recommend you go back and check out that episode first, because you'll hear Diallo and I talk with Mr. Jam about how he started working with Janet and how he and his production and songwriting partner, Terry Lewis, crafted her signature sound on the Control album. You'll also hear his thoughts on sampling and interpolation. Okay, here we go. You're listening to one song, and this is part two of Janet Jackson's Control with our very special guest, Jimmy Jam. Thanks to the U.S. Soy and the United Soybean Board for the sustainable makeover of our podcast studio and for sparking discussions on greener Hollywood production. Just like notes in a song, sustainable living is just a series of small, eco-friendly choices that contribute to the melody. Check out the Tears for Fears episode of One Song and see behind-the-scenes clips of how they pulled the whole look together. It's all on At Heartbeat Audio on YouTube, and the link is in our show notes. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. There are so many classic tracks on Control. We thought we were narrowing it down. I want to talk about Nasty. Let's get into Nasty. You know, to me, um, there, there are several iconic moments on this album. You know, Janet's line delivery and what have you done for me lately in the video when she's like, I know he used to do nice stuff for you, but what has he done for you lately? There's is that no Janet way you who can does see, that line? No, yeah. that's her friend Melanie. That's her friend Melanie? That's Melanie that okay, says that. Like, who was that I, actress? I know he Where used she to do nice stuff like, for the, you. But like the way she says lately. Oh, it was mm. like, the best. You can't think of that face without thinking of the way she said <laughs> lately. <laughs> and then, of course. It's lateral movement. No yeah, conversation. Yeah. Would be. I know we usually go like drums, synths in a certain order. I kind of want to. Can we do vocals first this time? For you, Diallo, we'll do vocals. We'll thank do you so yeah, much. You're welcome. So for this album, I mean, you can't talk about nasty without the iconic line. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who wrote that line? I mean, to me, it's a, it's a decade. Give it up for Jimmy. Jimmy Jam. But you Thank said you. Terry Lewis is the, is the lyric master, right? Like, oh, he definitely is. Yeah, he definitely Before is. Before there was RhymingDictionary.com, he had a he had rhyme schemes up here. The thing that's great about Terry, and as you can tell, I'm a long winded talker. But well, I, what takes me a paragraph to say Terry can say in a sentence, <laughs> and that's what makes him such a great writer. I can go on. A, yes, he's concise. I that's exactly <laughs> what he is. I love it. Well, I want to. Can we jump ahead to vocals because I, I think that this nasty to me is defined by. <laughs> there's so many great lyrics. We could we could. Yeah. Pack so much. What do you got for us? Lexi? This I have the most vocal chunks to play from this song, but this is by far the most like iconic in my mind in our in our collective consciousness. <laughs> to this day, I don't eat nasty food. Ah, I just want to put that okay. out there. I don't. Yep. Those are the nasty boys. Yep. <laughs> okay, here we go, Miss Jackson. If you're nasty, yeah. acapella. Cause privacy is my middle name. My last name is Control. No, my first name ain't Baby. It's Janet. Miss Jackson. If you're nasty. 
Now, when you hear her she say that in the booth, so funky, so good. That is so funky, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Her breaths mm-hmm. and all the little things that she does as she's singing just make that so funky. That's also a Jackson that's, thing, isn't it? Because the acapella is from like I have a lot of Michael Jackson yes. jams, and he's doing all the like, yes. He's doing that too. Is that yes. in the Jackson like I just, jeans? Or? I just think it is. I, I never because we never worked with a Joe. Ball. I mean, you, Joe would Joe would get on your case if you weren't breathing right at home. Like you had to be like, hey, can I get some butt? I think you get on your case for, for auditing. Toast. Like if you're like, can I get butter on my toast? You got. I don't want to make a joke. You, you, you already really did. Joke, you already did. Dark place. Clean, you clear. already did. But yes, you know, I think yeah. you had to breathe in the Jackson. Yeah. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. No, that was. But no, she she's got that. I mean. Like it's great when you can hear an acapella and still want to dance. Like, yeah, it's insane how good she is on that. Um, yeah, I mean, listen to. I'm sorry, play play just that first line. I'm not a prude. Okay. I'm not a prude. Yeah. I yeah. That's just. I'm not a prude. And people think right. And that was the thing. I remember people thinking that those songs were all really easy to sing. Mm. And then I'd hear people sing or try to sing <laughs> yeah, them, and yeah. it'd be like, "No, you, that band you don't get on Prude it. is really you're like no Pat Cuomo, yeah, 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 yeah. you ain't yeah. got it, yeah, <laughs> Pat Boone." <laughs> yeah, Pat. Do you remember <laughs> when when she sang that? Do you remember it going like, uh, "Did you guys all know like this is this is the chunk, this is the part that people are going to remember?" Yeah, and the yeah. way we recorded, which we and once again I, I mentioned earlier about Prince being so kind of spontaneous, and then Leon Silver's the third being so you know, you know. And what's the word anal i guess i'll use about precise. the vocal precise thank you um precise about the vocals so janet was a great combination of that because what we would do in watching leon in the studio leon silvers III would literally take little as the singer was singing he would punch in and out on analog tape which now digitally you can do it but analog tape he would do it to get a breath or to get a you know if the word is you know somebody says back at you I'm going to get the cha of back at you. Mm. And he would like literally like, and that, and I thought as a vocalist, that would drive me crazy because <laughs> I'm singing the same thing over and over, but I have no idea what they're trying to get. Mm. So we kind of took a page from that book. And what we would do is we would let the singer sing the song five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 times, whatever it was. But in our minds and also on a sheet of paper, we would be making little marks of a certain word or a certain phrase or a certain breath or a certain little thing that we liked. And then we'd let the vocalist leave. And then we'd do what we called a comp track. And we put all the best elements from all those little pieces together on one track. And Janet, I have to say, was the funnest to do (laughs) because there'd be you know, little laughs or little, mm-hmm. little things totally. like, or, or, you know, like be all these little things that we could put in almost the spices on the sauce. I, I, I totally agree. I feel like yeah. I can't think of what song it is, but there's a song where like, she literally like giggles, I think at the beginning of the track. Yes. And then the track starts, but like those like little inflections are, I, I mean like people, I feel like there's still some people out there who don't understand the devotion that Janet Jackson fans have for Janet, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's it's understood right now. Like Taylor's that person, and yes. you know, there've been times when Britney Spears was that person. Janet has those fans, like you know, and I think it's because so much of her personality bleeds into the song. Yeah, the humanity know? of it was always really important. Um, it's more than just the song. You it's know what more I mean? than the song. It, it's really kind of her personality and and those little things, and even things like I remember um, telling her, like on certain songs, if we were doing happy songs. And I would never look at her, but I would just, I would go, are you smiling? 
<laughs> and she'd go, huh? And I'd go, are you smiling? And I, she'd be, what do you mean? I said, these are happy lyrics. Yeah, it makes a difference. Right? <laughs> it makes a difference yeah. when you smile wow. and sing. You can hear it. Yes. And so little things like that, I always was aware of, and I think that was really important when we made the records, was if you were angry or if you were whatever, like put that thought in your mind and almost be the voice of people that can't maybe articulate it for themselves. You can be that voice for them, whether it's a love thing or a mean thing or a mad thing or a happy thing or whatever those things are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah we talk about that a lot on the show, how like singing is, it's an acting job. And like yes. to get the empathy from the listener, you really are putting on the character and the emotion that Absolutely. you want to convey in the song. Yeah. With the lyrics. And Janet, yeah. Janet was wonderful at that, but you know, she had an actress background too. Mm -hmm. So some of that we were able to pull and another thing on Control, I'll just mention that was great timing-wise, was we caught her at a point where she wasn't doing a million other things. She mm. wasn't taping fame. She wasn't doing a TV show or, or a movie or whatever. She literally had made up her own mind that she wanted to try singing. So she wasn't distracted. It was 100%, you know, for that, you know, six weeks or whatever it was, it was concentrated and it was away from LA. Mm -hmm. It was in Minneapolis. So she, it was all about the studio, all about recording. And it was just, it just lined up perfectly. I have to ask, since you mentioned, Janet, are you smiling? Like when you have Janet in the studio, and I'm going to ask you to like put your brain where it was, you know, almost 40 years ago, like you have her in the studio. Is she like, I always heard that Prince didn't want people looking at him when he was singing. I don't even know if that's true, but I've heard that. I've, I, you know, we know that Jay Z doesn't take any. You know, he memorizes the lyrics, then he goes in and, and records it, you know, mm -hmm. without any lyrics. What, what, what was Janet's thing? Did she have a thing in the studio? Janet just liked it to be dark. Mm -hmm. She liked candles. Okay. Um, but mo mostly dark. We kept everything really dark in the studio. Yeah. Um, and I don't think she cared about being looked at. Uh, and a lot of times, I remember at that studio, because that was our first Flight Time studio when we recorded this, there was normally a music stand or there was something that was kind of blocking her anyway, so we really couldn't see her. But we were, no, we were, she was very comfortable. She, she didn't really have any, yeah. And, but, and there was nobody ever in the room, though, besides us. Even, there wasn't even an engineer in the room. Steve Hodge, once again, who mixed the record, he wasn't even in the room with us. It was That's just, really we set it up and then we could just work. It was intimate. Totally. It was intimate. Totally. Um, we want to back up and do some drums here for Nancy because yeah. to me the song feels, feels very industrial. Mm -hmm. You know, like at least it did to my ears back then. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's a perfect lead-in. I had a couple questions. So uh, I'll just jump right into it. Nasty, by the way, second single off the album, and it was track two. It peaked at number three on the Hot 100, number one on the R&B charts, and uh, it won favorite soul and R&B single at the 1987 American Music Awards. So a lot of accolades for this one. So let's give me a beat. You say, well, how about this one, Janet? <laughs> What you're hearing those iconic percussion sounds, you know, we've got a kick and a snare, but the rest of what we're hearing is I think it comes from the Insonic Mirage in Sonic, right? That was the sampler I understand you used. It does, but it didn't. Oh. Oh you thought you did your research. Reveal the truth, Jimmy Jam. <laughs> all the Don't drum, hold back. All the all yeah. the drum sounds are all Lindrum. Okay, so, so that's all a of those. Everything that you just heard, okay. is all Lindrum. It sounds like pots even, and pans. Even like, the yeah. percussive, like even the here, I'll play it isolated. Yeah, yeah. This is that. Sure. I, this is the iconic nasty sound. 
What are we? What are we hearing? Lindrum. That's Lindrum. Those are. That's Lindrum. Those that's, are some of those pre-ROM, those presets, yes. those ROMs, yes. sounds that you just replaced. Correct. Interesting. Because yeah. I was going to ask, and Diallo alluded to it when I hear this song, and and let me just sort of step back for a second. Across the song, you know, there's kind of no bass. Right. There's kind of the only melodic elements appear to be coming from, and this you're going to tell me whether this is a correct theory or not, but it reminds me of you know that like. Um, you know, those old Casio samplers where you've got like, you know, dogs barking and you can do rough, 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 yes. rough, 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 rough. Yes. All the melodies appear to be kind of a sample where you've pitched it up and down. Mm. I'll play an example of it. This okay. is ostensibly the bass line. <laughs> kind of the closest to the bass line. And that's interplaying oh. with other sounds. <laughs> But I hear this, and I hear kind of. Are you, of feeling, your, are you feeling your own track right oh, now? Oh yeah, that's yeah. I love that. I, am, I love I that. Am. That's just that's so cool. When I <laughs> so cool. When I hear that, I hear some other stuff going on in the culture at the time. Like I hear art of noise. Mm-hmm. I hear close to the. I'll just play a little oh, bit of on. that. Trevor Trevor Horn. Trevor Horn. On. One of my all time favorites. Oh mine too. Oh yeah, absolutely. And these are samplers that are playing, you know, car startup noises. Yes. And a little bit, and I think you just alluded to this a little bit, like a little bit Depeche Mode. Absolutely. Absolutely. All these industrial sounds. Yes. It's like, it was like the German dance scene at the time. It's By the way, Depeche tonic. Mode, the guy who wrote the songs was half black. I just want to point that out. Because I, I make everything racial. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Depeche Mode, kind of a black group. Anyway. Yeah. That's all. So I wanted. I wanted to hear. Um, this song has so much of what sounds like sort of. It's almost like it was an experiment. How much can we make without yeah. going to the Oberheimer, without going to like a piano or mm-hmm. or guitar? Mm-hmm. Um, tell me more about. Tell me a little bit about like. It, was there a philosophy behind it, or did it just sort of end up that way? So. I first of all, I love industrial stuff. Like I always love that kind of stuff. So. Um, the drum sounds were just kind of, you know, inspired by the noisiest noise we could make. That was kind of the idea (laughs) of it. Um, is that where the song began as a beat where you're trying to do that? I don't honestly remember. What I remember is getting the mirage, the insanique mirage, (laughs) as you say, uh, with the French accent, um, (laughs) We, but I remember getting. Fancy. I, re- I remember that. I got. I remember getting that and going through floppy disks, and they had a lot of them were split, so that the top keyboard was something, the bottom keyboard was something. The right? floppy disk had all the sounds on it because the, the keyboard didn't it. have anything in it. You no, had, it had to put a floppy in disk. It, in. it was yeah. all floppy disks. And I remember the initial set we got, and I still can't figure out. I know your listeners will be able to help me with this. I still can't figure out what the actual sound was called. Uh, on the floppy disk, because it was one of the factory disks. And it had literally what the bass sound is mm-hmm. on the bottom hand, and it had the kind of fluty sound on mm. the top hand. Wow. So I literally, when I put that in, I was always inspired by the sounds. And when I heard those two sounds together, I literally wow. went boom, boom, gang. <laughs> dun, 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 bum, bum, That's crazy. That's that so was cool. it. It's not an accident that those sounds happen to both be right. on the song. That's what I'm saying. That's why they're on the song because it was, so cool. it was an upper and a lower keyboard thing. 
It was wow. split. Same too. preset. Mm-hmm. And it was called, it was something with C's in it. It, was, it wasn't choir chamber, because there yeah. is a choir chamber. Oh, someone in the comments that. is going gonna, is gonna to tell us. Yeah, yeah, somebody will tell us. <laughs> and that, and I'll, They're very I'll, helpful I'll in correcting us. I'll love to know <laughs> what that is. And I just, by the way, I just met, um, I can't remember his name now, but I just met the guy from Insonic okay. at, um, shoot, it was the Grammy Museum, but I can't remember what the event was. But he said to me, um, he said, yeah. He said, we used to send you in Sonic stuff all the time. I said, I remember that. Because in Keyboard Magazine, I did an interview. And they said, what do you use? And I said, I use the InSonic Mirage. And everybody was like, you do? Because everybody <laughs> at that point was either the emulators the or the Fairlights or the whatever. And I was like, hey, you can't afford that. You know, the Mirage was like, I don't know, 1500 bucks or something. It was like, oh, no, like, we okay, used the Mirage. affordable, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so that's what we ended up using. And after I said that, literally, I have we have a closet full at the studio of Insonic. Every possible keyboard they ever made, wow. they sent to us. They were and so it happy. Was, you sold a bunch of keyboards when you when you talked about oh, it. Oh, yeah. it was awesome. It they, were, they were really happy. But they said, yeah, nobody <laughs> yeah. respects us and whatever, and you gave us you know. Speaking of that flute sound, uh, let's play that yeah. so that people can hear what you're talking about. So on the bottom half, on the bass, on the bass in quotes, but it, it acts as bass. It's effective. Yes. Um, and by the way, I had a quick question about that because, you know, absence of bass, we were talking about Prince before in Minneapolis. I mean, at this moment, we have When Doves Cry is yep. already out there. Uh, I think Kiss is hasn't come out yet by that idea yeah, of like on. drop not having bass content yep. in a song was so such an interesting notion it, w- was that also conceptually a goal for the song no we didn't we didn't do it thinking that let's have a song without bass okay like that wasn't really the notion it was just those two sounds together just sounded good they we were enough to you, fill out. Didn't, you yeah. didn't need anything more no and uh and one little you know asterisk or not asterisk but a little note on that we did go back on the remix, on the Cool Summer right. remix of Nasty, and had Terry put a bass part on it. Yes, uh, along I have chords, that. I have right? that. And that version is um, the version that attracted George Michael to us, which allowed us to do oh. Monkey. But that's a whole nother that thing. Monkey? Really I didn't even realize y'all had a connection to wow. Monkey. Yeah, we, we did that, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Sorry. That was my favorite song know. on the album. And <laughs> you know what's funny? I thought at the time, I was like, oh, George Michael did a, a, a almost hip-hop song. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a whole, that's another, I had whole no other <laughs> That's a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, no. All right, so here is the other half of the keyboard, the top half. Jimmy's playing the bass, bass in quotes on the low part, and this... And that's really it. You've just got two things happening outside of drums and vocals on the whole song. I'll play it contextually now, just so you can hear it in the mix. Mm-hmm. It really just, does sound two, like yeah, it's just, and Martin Gore and Trevor Horn. And in listening to that, I remember that the hardest thing to do was, because I was playing it as as it was being written, I'm playing with just so I'm going. Dun, 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 oh, you're playing dun, both dun, parts dun, dun, live. I'm playing both yeah. parts live. Oh, wow. But on the recording, because they needed to go on separate tracks, I, I had to record them separately. Did it was feel that, weird to play? Yeah, it, it felt weird. So literally, <laughs> I what I literally did was I had a keyboard, another keyboard. So I was playing. Yeah, I was just, but it wasn't recording. So right. I was going. Gong, gong, 
That's like when you're recording drums and just the snare. Yes. You still got to do something. You still got to, yes. That's what it was. Was Janet down for this really hard industrial sound or did you have to convince her? She was down with it. What I had to convince her about was when we gave her the lyrics and the melody, she said, she went in and started singing and she said, sitting in the movie show thinking that's the thought. So we said, no, 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 no. Like too high. Too sweet. Yeah, it's too sweet. I said, remember the other day, because she had a cold, as a matter of fact. And oh, she wow. said, remember when you had your cold and you were like, sing it like that. And you were singing like that. <laughs> sing it like that. And she said, really? And we said, yeah. So then she did. Sitting in the movie, in the low. And she didn't, when she left the studio, I remember she thought, this isn't going to work. And we said, no, no, come back tomorrow. We'll comp it and you'll hear it. And then I remember the next day when we comped it and played it back for her, mm-hmm. she got this look on her face of just, a total amazement. Like, oh, she was man. like, wow. And it's like, yeah. But it was a kind of a breakthrough, a bit of a breakthrough moment because then it was like, tr- we had our trust. And so anything we asked her to do, no matter how crazy it was, mm. she would just go, okay. She knew it was going to sound good. She knew, well, she knew, she trusted us. Yeah. And if it didn't sound good, we said, listen, nobody's going to hear it if it doesn't sound good. Of course, not knowing that stems would exist because there's plenty of things out there that we never intended for anybody to hear. Which, by the way, does bother me. But, <laughs> but we'll make sure that doesn't happen. Yes, but 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 no. But there was a there was a trust there, and that that was important. I, I will just say, as a writer, when you fight to get that actor, and you fight so hard against like you know the actor's instincts or the or the agent, like this is not right for my client, and then you get them on set, and you're like, you might still be going back and forth, but when they see the finished product, yeah, and. Uh, and then you and they're like and they call you up or they text you like, hey man, I finally saw the show. I finally saw you know that thing that you and Bashir wrote, and I love it. Yes. like that. It's a whole different like you're like, because yes. you're like you you didn't draw them into something that was gonna hurt them. Or, yeah, or hurt their career. And I'm almost, I'm like also that. struck by how the two of you, how you and Terry clearly. I mean, this is like pop psychology, and, and I'm a musician, but like you clearly took on the role of sort of older brother figures that he could trust. Yeah. That she could trust because she's like the younger sister with all of her Germains and Tito's and yes. she's away from them and you clearly fulfilled some of some psychologically you built trust to become a bit like that for her. Yeah. A bit brotherly. Yeah. She's very beautiful. I think so. All right. Well, funny how time flies when you're talking about this album, but let's wait a while and when we get back, <laughs> we're going to dive deeper into the making of Janet Jackson's control when we get back. Thanks to the U.S. Soy and the United Soybean Board for the sustainable makeover of our podcast studio and for sparking discussions on greener Hollywood production. Just like notes in a song, sustainable living is just a series of small, eco-friendly choices that contribute to the melody. Check out the Tears for Fears episode of One Song and see behind-the-scenes clips of how they pulled the whole look together. It's all on at Heartbeat Audio on YouTube, and the link is in our show notes. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. 
Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So there's one more thing I want to play for you and for everyone listening. This is, uh, there's so many parts of Nasty, I could literally play the whole acapella, but um, this is one of my other favorite parts. Uh, it's the, hey, who's that singing part? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that in that nasty car? Nasty boys. Who's that eating that nasty food? Nasty boys. Maybe they're just poor boys. Who's jamming to my nasty groove? <laughs> ladies. Oh yeah, we gotta nasty get the ladies. Hold on. Yeah, boys. That's crucial. Is that Melanie? Who's singing that? Is that Lisa Keith? I think it's just Janet. Oh, it's just Janet just doubled up. I think so. Yeah, we can't lose that. I get the whole stack because there's five parts coming in. All right, here we go. Or four parts coming in. Ladies. Nasty boys don't mean a thing. Finger. Nasty boys. Wait, you don't oh, have that part? Nasty boys. No, there's a part. There's a part that's not played there. I mean, oh, what's missing? Oh, I might have missed something. Don't mean a thing. Oh, you. Oh, that's nasty earlier. Boys. That's you earlier. <laughs> Let's get that part. Yeah, I know <laughs> exactly what you mean. Some people in the studio who are like, we clearly no, remember the video because you remember that like it was like the ladies' chorus came shoulders. out. Shoulders are happening. Yeah. Here's the shoulders <laughs> part. Nasty. Don't mean a thing. Oh, you nasty boys. Don't mean a thing to me. Uh. <laughs> nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Are y'all like completely straight face when she yeah, goes nasty? You guys are having like, fun doing this. Y'all have to be like, oh yeah, oh, got it. <laughs> oh no, we no, we were loving it. We were loving it. It was it was so good because it's once again it was it was trying to bring that attitude out that uh-huh. she had as a little kid. We always saw it as a little kid, and it was like, where's that? attitude at so we wanted to have tracks that brought that out this is bratty this is like straight up little kid bratty it's bratty but i gotta say this is the one place i'm gonna take issue with you uh mr jam (laughs) and that is that uh, okay i'm ready i'm not sure who saw it i'm I'm gonna take a i'm gonna take an issue with you mr jam um who's that eating that nasty food (laughs) i don't i feel that they might have had poverty issues like i don't know (laughs) if that is part of being a nasty boy i think that uh we might have to give them a pass on that one. They well, might not have had control over their dietary. That is, you know, that is true. However, however, if given a choice, they were eating the nasty food. That's fair. Maybe that's why they were the nasty boys. You know, speaking, what is the nasty boys side of this argument? But, that's what I want to yeah, hear. Yeah. You well, know, like the movie Joker. Let, the nasty boys deserve a song. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're probably nasty men. Hopefully, by, by now. this point, yeah, sure. And they're six <laughs> nasty grandpas, but. Oh, that was the sound of a million typewriters. Like, comments, comments, I've comments. I've got, I've got actually, my screenwriting. Actually, actually. Wait, uh, no, I think this is, uh, that, that's fantastic. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I think you guys are so good with the harmonies. And I, I've heard you say elsewhere, like, you know, you were, you were thinking about, like, America and some of these other, you know, yeah. 70s groups that did harmonies. My personal favorite off of this album mm-hmm. is, uh, is the line from uh, What Have You Done For Me Lately when she says... Uh, 
Now it seems those dancing feet are always on my couch. couch. Those notes. That Melody. modulation or what, what is that called? What is her, that called where it's just, she's kind of becomes, it seems those yeah. dancing feet are always on my couch. It like, kind of goes from melodic to just talking. But if it's bit. also like, it's, it's the, it's the no, it's coming down the steps. Is, I literally is that modulation? Got, what is that? I don't know what it's called, but I re- yeah, they it goes down it's half so steps. Good. Yeah, so I just I literally got asked about that. Um, I, totally off, not off the track, but we were rehearsing uh, last week for our show, mm-hmm. and next to us was uh, Lil, uh, not Lil Yachty. Who was it? Yeah, it might have been Lil Yachty. Was next door rehearsing. Mm. We were in Atlanta, and his band director is the same as Kendrick's. Uh, a guy named Chicago. We called him Chicago. That makes sense because Lil Yachty put out one of the best albums of 2023. Yeah. And if you haven't heard it, go go, go out and check it out. Yeah, no, it's really good. It's so really anyway, good. he came over and I think it was him that asked me that exact question. Who, like, like, who what made you that? think of... Like, what you think of that? I don't. Is it, I a, is no it a broken clue. scale? What is it? Did you did did, did you come up yeah, with Yeah, I did. I did. And I don't know... Don't remember. I don't remember Gee, what the thinking the yeah. was. Did it I happen in the booth? Like it was an idea, like try this kind of thing, or had you played it on the keyboard as like a melody to be sung? I think I did. Uh, the evidence would be on my vocal track. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I probably sang it like that as like a guide, okay. and I think that's probably why it ended up like that. But I don't know what. I don't know why I thought of that. I really that's, don't. That's, I mean, man, that's a totally legit question i think some of it probably comes from the fact that you guys were playing 12 minute performances and then just cutting it down i always Absolutely. say you know one of the best key solos of all time easily is i didn't mean to turn you on sherelle because it's got that like it's hits that one note towards yep. the end of the solo yep. is that you is that no that's actually monty moyer I Monty believe Moyer. from the time. Okay, so yes. to bring it back to control, yeah. I think I did not know this man's name until we started preparing for this episode. Mm-hmm. I, I admit I did not know. I didn't know he was the guy in the on the album cover at yeah. the time. Yes, and and shout out to him because Pleasure Principle. Yes, an amazing iconic video and a, a, just a really great song. Yep, it's, amazing. It's it's his contribution to control. Yep. I'm sure you guys were excited to have that song on the album because you guys seem gracious. You don't seem like, oh, well, that ain't one of our songs. Like that can be a B side. Like it Monty seems was, like you guys were like, no, Monty He's was got part a great of the team here. No, Monty was part of the team. Mm-hmm. He was part of the flight time team when Prince fired us. Um, <laughs> uh, Monty quit when we got fired. He quit to join us, and I, so I, he was part of the he was part of the he flight was part time team of the flight time team. The flight time team. It's like the it's like the writers' room on Sid Caesar when you hear about all the writers who came out of the Sid Caesar writer room, or all the writers who came out of the um, not it's Gary Shanley, uh, the Larry Sanders show. Yes. Uh-huh. You know Steve Levitan and and um, you know all these other people. Like there's certain there's certain collections of people that you look back in time and like everybody in that room was a hill was a killer. Yes. You know everybody in that room was hot. Yeah. I, I got to ask you because you've said a couple of times about Prince. Um, you know the the firing. Um. To me, the most interesting part of that story is that apparently he called Terry and offered him the chance to come back. You know, but you couldn't come back, and that's that that hits home for me because I'm part of a writing team, and Bashir Salahuddin and I have done a lot of TV together, and we've worked together for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I come to this podcast as a guy who's 
primarily known as a comedy writer and actor, as opposed to Luxury, who is a, who, a music performer. I say all that just to say there have definitely been times that we have worked with people who got along more with one of us than the other. Yeah. You know, and there was definitely one time, and I can't say his name because he's still super duper famous. Um, he's, uh, I don't even know if I want to say if he's in the music field or in the comedy <laughs> field, but, um, you know, to this day we sort of laugh cause we're like, that dude really tried to break up the team. Like, you know, mm. he tried to sort of play favorites and sort of be like, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you're the funny one, you know, like <laughs> it's the serious? same way. Like I feel weird sometimes even asking you, Oh, was that you or was that Terry? Right. Because ultimately it came out of the same kitchen like I, I love how gracious you are to terry and i i feel like terry's got to be gracious to you i think that's the only way a team works because if you're at all open to the idea of somebody coming in and saying you're the special one it can be broken up 18 ways sure there have been people who preferred me over bashir there have been people who preferred bashir over me and most people that we really get along with sort of understand there's sort of an unseen cooking and recipe that's going on you know? And that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, there's people that you could ask different artists. You could ask Janet, and you and you could say to Janet, uh, "Who does what?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and and she she could go, "Well, you know, Jimmy does most of the stuff. Terry's around, but he does most some of the lyrics." Blah 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 blah. And then you could ask Usher, and Usher would go, <laughs> "I never see Jimmy. I know he's <laughs> I know he's around, but you know, like literally, we each have our own relationships mm-hmm. with people." And at the end of the day, it was interesting watching the Beatles documentary because I always just assumed Lennon and McCartney were joined at the hip and everything they did was together. But there's songs that were 100% Lennon's and songs (laughs) that were 100% McCartney's. At the end of the day, it was Lennon and McCartney. That's the way Jam and Lewis are. There's songs that are 100% mine. There's songs that are 100% Terry's. But we have a 50-50 handshake agreement that we did back in 1982. (laughs) Which is so powerful. And we just... That's what it is. Right. So even if I've never heard, there's songs that I literally would come out, I'd hear them on the radio, and I go, Terry, when'd you do that? And he'd go, <laughs> Oh, well, I did that last week, you know, what or whatever. And it'd be like, But I got fifty percent of it. So it it takes away all of the things that you would ever nitpick about creatively. Mm. Like that's my course. Well, that's my verse. Well, that was my title. Well, that's There's my no melody. Way to work like that. You can't know because then you're trying to nickel and dime and that's not what it is. And, so, and I, I'd, I'd even yeah. ask, and this is <laughs> this is a question I because I feel like, you know, Luxury and I have a partnership. Uh-huh. Bashir and I have a partnership. Every partnership is a little bit different. Did you guys fight like brothers? Like, were you guys ever like at a total impasse where like one of us was like, hey, look, this is more my project than yours. I gotta, I gotta make sure it's this. Or no. was it always, it was, it was all, it was never contentious. Never In contentious. 40 something years. No, never contentious. Well, 50 years now. Uh, <laughs> 50 years this year. Wow. Uh, June, uh, June 17th, 1973. Happy birthday. That's the day we met. Happy birthday. Thank you. So we, um, no, we've never, I, I make the distinction. It's a subtle distinction. Uh, and I think I said it at the Rock Hall. Um, we've never had an argument because an argument is something you're trying to win. Mm. And I never want to win at something that my partner is losing because if I win an argument against him, that means he lost an argument. So that's not right. We do have disagreements. Mm -hmm. A disagreement is something you're trying to solve. And that's the way we put it. So it's like the best way should win, not whether it's my way or your way. What's the best way? Mm -hmm. And that's the way we look at it. Um, So we've had disagreements but not, never arguments. And as far as we naturally gravitate, Terry in a lot of ways on Janet um, stepped away from it mm. because he knew we would be working on something and then they got it. 
and I and he's got other things to do. So he would step away from that and allow that to happen. Um, and then when we would need him for something like, you know, we need a, a lyric idea for whatever, and Terry would be like, "Oh, I got it," and just like do it, you know, like have it. So that was the way we always worked together. Um, really, and then, like I say, another strengths and like yeah. not needing to be a part of every single and, thing. And same and same even That's with with Usher. Crucial. It was yeah. funny Usher. I remember there was a song with Usher that Usher, uh, Usher was like. Terry, I need Jam to write me this song that's like blah, blah, blah. And Terry was like, yeah, you got it. Just, I'll tell him whatever. And I did, and I came up with the song, and Usher loved it. He was like, oh my God, this is great. And it's like, well, yeah, all you have to do is ask. I mean, I'm here. I mean, it's not like I'm not here. But yeah, there's certain people you would ask, and you go, oh, Jimmy does everything. I don't know what Terry does. And people would go, Terry does everything. I don't know what Jimmy does. I never see him. So, it's enough. It's, it's, yeah. it's, obviously, we are not at your level, but when Bashir and I work, like there's times when I'm in one writer's room and he's in another writer's yes. room. And we'll literally confer at the end of the night or like, you know, maybe on set, maybe in the editing. Yes. After it's all done. Like, you know, yep. I'm sitting there like, was that the best take that we got for the? Okay, so why don't we just change the storyline in the scene? Like, mm -hmm. there's all kinds of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that yes. people don't ever see. And I think yep. that that's so crucial. I want to ask one more question before we move on about the Prince firing. This is my own controversial take. Okay. This is my controversial take. Controversy. As, and I say it as a Prince fan. <laughs> I say it as a Prince fan. I feel like Prince was driving the culture, you know, throughout the 80s in just a real way. And I feel like <clears throat> after probably Diamonds and Pearls, there's a period where he's not driving the culture. And hip-hop has come on, and hip-hop is sort of the dominant drive, like driving the culture. Mm -hmm. And I don't know at what point – did you ever work with Prince again? After the fire, like, did you did you guys work on any of the later stuff? Well, well, so, well, yeah, we never worked directly with him. Yeah. Although when we did the Pandemonium album, right, we basically took tracks that were started back in mm -hmm. the Prince days of the yeah. eighty, like the late eighty, early eighties. Yes, and this, we'd worked on this. Those. Goes to my point, and this is my contract. I'm not asking you to sign off on it at all, but I'm always like, how could Prince have stayed more in the center of the culture? Because you guys stay in the center of the culture. Literally from the SOS band, you know, into the 2000s. Like, you guys are at the center of the culture in ways that, quite frankly, and again, I say this as a Prince fan, he was not. I My hot take is that if he had not fired you, had, had sort of let you guys grow and then circled back to you and been like, you know, Jimmy, Terry, let's get in the studio. You know, like, mm -hmm. I think he would have stayed more on the scene. I think, you know, like, you know. I, I went to a Prince concert in 1998. Like you know, it it wasn't it wasn't the hot ticket in town by that point. Sure, and I just feel like he could have he could have used y'all you know in some of those you know in the 90s and the in the 2000s. I think I, you know. So there's so, you don't have to you don't have to no. But, but there's ahead. well there's so there's so many things there. The one I, I will say this, um, Terry always used to tease Prince all the time, <laughs> and he used to say that. Um, he always used to tell Prince, produce a record that doesn't sound like you. Mm. Prince was so kind of singular in what he did that it was hard to get out of what he did. And he was so good at it, if that makes sense. Of course. Um, so I think that was part of it. He was masterful at it. He was masterful at it. And but I, I, think, I think about the Bad Dance album. I'm like, I love the Bad Dance album. Yeah. If, if Jimmy and, and Terry had been on the Bad Dance album, it would be up there with Purple Rain. That's my own personal. I, I love those songs, but like, I just feel like there is something that's 
missing, and it's almost like he's trying to, at that point, chase your sound a little bit. I don't know. Well, he, I'm not he, trying to cause well, any ruckus, went, you guys. No, there's there's no <laughs> ruckus, and and at one point, you know, at one point we did. Unfortunately, he passed, but he came to us and he said, "If you produced an album on me, mm-hmm. what would you do?" And we said, "Well, we'd go back, and we'd go in the vault, mm. and we grab all that stuff from, from the, the '80s, yeah. from the early '80s that's sitting around." And we'd start there, and then we'd make a record. And he was like, great, let's do that. So he wanted us to produce it. So he did come back around to that, which was great. And our relationship at the end with him was wonderful. It was great. Yeah, Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, And um, But yes, he was very- that's, That's the movie that Hollywood honestly needs to make. I don't know how, I think you can make it. It's not like, you know, there's certain stories that- Hollywood wants to make, but like there might be bullets flying on set if you yeah. if you really tell the truth. I don't think that's the case with Flight Time and Prince and the Revolution and everybody else from 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 Minneapolis. I well, I would love to see that story be told. Some of the some of the people I will say there was definitely because we um, music directed the uh, Prince special that the Grammys did three mm. like three years yes, ago. Yes, I remember. Yeah, and um, there was a lot of PTSD mm. with a lot of the people. That had stuck around and had a lot of bitterness and a lot of stuff. I mean, we got out unscathed because he basically pushed us out the nest and told us to fly. Yeah. Terry always called it freed. He said he didn't fire us, he freed us. <laughs> right. That's what he said. But he was very much, he Prince held on very closely to the people who he really wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. And I think it was probably a little codependency because I think he felt like these people need to be with me uh-huh. to excel. And I need them with me to excel. To excel. He didn't feel that about us. But Prince's fatal flaw seems to be his need for control, like getting back to this album. Like that yeah. word seems to define everything. All the stories are about he needs to be controlling every detail. Absolutely Including does. what you do and what you don't do and when you do it and when you don't do it. Absolutely. And that, but but he's, yeah. good, he's good at doing it. Yeah. But sometimes you have to let people... Uh, you have to let people go. You have to let people... I always said... Uh, it was funny because somebody asked about Motown, or people always mention Motown, and they go, there'll never be another Motown. And I said, I agree. There will never be another Motown. But I think the closest thing that could have maybe happened would have been if we would have done what we did mm-hmm. under Prince's... At Paisley Park. At Paisley Park. Yeah. If he had that, been a different kind of leader. If he would have just said, you guys, whatever you guys want to do, you can do it. Just do it under this. And so now everything that we do is Paisley Park. So now Janet and New Edition and Mary J. Blige and everything that we do now yeah. is all in the that Paisley. Been new, absolutely. Yeah. That would have been amazing. That and would've we would have loved that. And the Prince records, like you mentioned, would have been, I think, a lot, a lot cooler. Well, we're going to get back into Control. And this was the fourth single... Don't you miss when albums had so many singles? There were seven like, singles from so this album, singles. ultimately. Isn't yeah. that insane? I love it when yeah. you read a track list, you're seven. like, these were all singles. They this was all. the fourth single, came out on October 17th, 1986. Yeah. It's actually track number one on the album. Right. And I believe you've got some some parts to You play. know what I've got right here? I've got the stems. Yes, sir. So mm. let's listen to them. All so right. the beats on Control. I wanted to ask you a little bit about, uh, we were talking about Minneapolis, the Minneapolis sound. We were talking about Shirelle. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean to turn you on. It's one of my all-time favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Something was happening in that moment in music. And with, with I guess, funk and electronic funk, or boogie maybe is mm-hmm. a better way to put it, with mm-hmm. how in the bass lines and everything. But drum machines, there was almost a separation in what the kick and snare were doing mm-hmm. and what the hi-hats were doing. Mm-hmm. It almost sounded like two different performances. Mm-hmm. Because you'd have these crazy, like, 30-second note, like, it's almost like what drill or trap would be now with yeah. with the hi hats. So I'm gonna play the beat and um, another thing about this song, which is unique about 
on the album is that 13 of the 24 tracks are percussion and rhythm and drums. Mm -hmm. So a lot going on here rhythmically. I really want to get into that with you. But let's listen first, and we'll build it starting from the ground up. I love that clap by itself. So satisfying. That's the, you know, the... Yeah. That giant that, reverb. That became, that became L.A. and Babyface's... Um, <laughs> trademark i could see that yeah yeah they did I, I remember asking them about that and they said oh yeah we got that from <laughs> oh, we, got we that took from that you. from you <laughs> yeah we got totally. that from this yeah okay. exactly yeah well we're gonna build now we got another layer going on top of that There's a... is that cowbell cowbell i'll yep. play it by itself because it's fun to hear that the high stuff there well tambourine in there too mm-hmm. snap yep And then mm-hmm. last we have, funky. it's so funky, but it's 13 things. Mm-hmm. And then we have bongos, percussion, some more oh, yeah. toms. The ping and zing track, as we call it. Okay, and I'm going to build it back. So it's, I feel like you had a lot of fun building this track. Mm-hmm. Is this a Lindrum situation? Lindrum situation. Okay, and yep. did... Talk about the the day you made the beat, or if you can remember, like kind of what was going through your mind as you were making this. I well, the funny thing is, we still have the drum machine that that all that stuff was done on. I mean, we have all this. We still have everything that all this stuff was done on. And um, I looked at that machine the other day, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and it looks like a different machine to me than it looked, you know, almost forty years ago. Like it's a it's a it's a different thing because. A lot of it was, I don't know whether it's ignorance, but I didn't know necessarily what I was doing on it. I just knew as being a drummer, there were just certain things that I just wanted to try to get out of it. And the changes and the different like little combinations of things. I don't know. I just felt like you could build a song from a beat, which wasn't necessarily always the way. I mean, a lot of songs start off with chords and that, and then you put a beat on it. This was a case of actually doing the beat first and then figuring out musically what it should be. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was just kind of a different way of working, and that, to me, was what drum machines allowed, those tools allowed us to do. You might have just answered, like, my next question, because I was Mm going to ask you about, there's a very famous drum break in this song, Mm -hmm. which is Crazy Town. As a a drummer myself, I still have to go back and replay it to count, like, I get lost. I'm going to play it for you. This happens... The weird break is at 4.58. I'll play it in the actual song so you can hear it in context because mm. otherwise your brain's going to get real messed up. Mm. Um, so this is Control, the weird drum break. Everyone count. Three, two, one. I mean, like, I'm a drummer. Even I can't find, even I got lost there. I was like, oh, when's it coming back? That is so good call. What the hell is that, dude? (laughs) You build this from the ground up, and you're like, yeah, we're keeping that. We're going to build on top, and everyone's going to know what's going on. You're like, what the hell? I love it. Was that so that the club would actually just stop and be like, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was that we always wanted to have uh, drama and emotion and um dynamics Mm -hmm. um we just always wanted those elements in songs so we weren't purposely trying to do something off but it literally (laughs) was you know if you count it it still lines up but it was just i don't know it was just (laughs) so you performed that there was a beat 
There's like something was programmed and on top of it. You kind of added. Yeah. Some, some of, of it. Yeah. Some of it that actually, no, that actually ended up being programmed like that. I performed okay. it, but I recorded the performance of it, if that makes sense. And so as the song would go, all I would do is just switch sequences, if that makes sense. Like different patterns. Different patterns. I would just switch patterns. Yeah. And that was the other thing. I, a lot of times I didn't know I would try to kind of count like to be on an even number of uh, measures or whatever. But a lot of times I wouldn't know. Okay. So that's why sometimes changes would happen, you know, but on you an odd it in thing and it's or one whatever. of the best parts of the song. Yeah, yeah that's kind of that, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then I remember even on the courses of the song, uh, on the control... There's a snare drum that happens on the two and the four. That was never programmed in there like that. So I'm playing those live. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of, they're a little they're off. Perfect. They're a little, yeah, okay. a little glitchy. But we always wanted to do that. And then I mentioned pings and zings. We always put, like I hear the uh, vibra slap in there or, and the, you know, you hear the, like the, and you hear like stuff like that. We always did live percussion, even with the drum machine stuff to keep it, keep you know, human. a human element right. to it. And also, and also live cymbals too. Always did that. Uh, the bass line for this is one of my favorite bass lines in, on the album. And bass sounds, I should bass, say. Bass, uh, yeah. Because it is so nasty. <laughs> mirage. This is the Mirage bass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I couldn't help I mean, but my I, face I feel like right. You, 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 you got to get the ugly face. I feel like Seinfeld heard that and he was like, I need that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give, me the, give me that track. It's very bing, 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 bing. Give me the track. And in the mix, you know... This is like a high point of, of American culture right here, is this snippet right there. Yeah. I love that part. Thank you. Um, vocals. I mean, like, should we hear the bridge? We haven't heard. You guys are masters when it comes to a bridge. Yeah, got my own life. I'm going to make my own decisions. I mean, you can hear me sing that. But why don't we hear Janet sing the bridge? Got my own mind. I want to make my own decisions. Do with my life, my life. I want to be the one in control. <laughs> so that's you going, da -da, like, da -da, da -da. yeah, yep. <laughs> the, the other thing I'd noticed too in all the vocals, you hear, you know, the headphones are so loud. The bleed. Yeah, the yeah. headphone bleed. Yeah, she loved the headphones like super loud. Yeah. So we'd always be fighting that. It. Yeah. We'd always be fighting that on the mixes, but. <laughs> We we only have so much time, unfortunately, when we do this show. So we aren't going to do any uh, deep dive on the stems of Pleasure Principle, uh, Let's Wait a While, which is like such a fantastic, epic, iconic slow jam. Um, Funny How Time Flies, which was, you know, I love that song, but then it's also got a second part in my brain from when the Lost Boys sampled it for, I think it was the song was Renee, uh, yeah. which is a mm -hmm. great, great hip hop track for the 90s. <laughs> We would love to talk about every song on this album, like I said, but uh, we, we really only have time enough to talk about one more. And we have to talk about this one because it was your first number one Hot 100 single. Um, and... That, that that's like huge. I mean, like luxury. And it was know? Janet's first number one too. It was Janet's. Yeah. It was Janet's first yep. number one. It's Jimmy and Terry's first number, first of sixteen number 16 one singles. Number I said I lied singles. when I said we weren't going to talk about your sixteen because <laughs> you've had sixteen number one singles, my friend. That's hilarious. Um, um, it's when I think of you. 
Quick question. I, I read somewhere where this song was inspired by uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band. That's Is that crazy. true? What's, That's what's very true. the story there? Very true. I'm, I'm a huge Casey and the Sunshine Band <laughs> fan. Yeah. I think their rhythm section was probably one of the greatest rhythm sections and actually is the, um, I would call it the foundation of New Jack Swing. Wow, I can almost see it. Well, I actually actually interviewed uh, Teddy Riley for my show and um, I asked him that. I said, that was my theory. And he said, why do you think that? And I said, so the song, I Get Lifted. Yes. yes. Which is a cover. Yeah, George McRae. Yeah, George McRae did it first. But Casey and the Sunshine Band produced it and wrote yeah. it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So when you hear on all of Teddy Riley's stuff, right? Yeah. Right? I said, so my thing is, I think that was the foundation. And he laughed and he said, Okay, you know what's even crazier? He said, what was my first big hit? And I said, I want her. Um, I want key sweat, her. right? The bass line. Boom, boom. Boom, oh, boom, no boom, way. boom. That's the way I like it. Casey and <laughs> the Sunshine Band. That is not, a, that is okay. not an accident. Wow. Yeah. Those songs so still hit every now and then. Oh, I man. Never Casey that. and the Sunshine Band, I'm telling you. <laughs> I just bought, I just dollar bin bought that George McRae record like yeah. literally a couple months ago. Yeah. Like so good. It's so good. It's so good. But K- yeah, Casey and uh, Rick Finch is his partner, writing partner, a production partner. Amazing. And the guitar player, I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. But the guitar player on that, the secret of those records to me was the guitar player. Because mm. if the drum beat and the bass lines were the simplest bass lines yeah. you dun, could dun. ever write. Dun, 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 it was dun. very cool in the gang, is yeah. what it was. Yeah. Right? It was just the simplest bass lines. But listen to, okay. I like to do it, uh, listen to, I'm trying to think, oh, the beginning of I'm Your Boogeyman, before the song actually kicks in. Wow. Okay. Listen to the guitar riff. Oh, man. I can't wait to hear it. Maybe, maybe we can play a little snippet of that. Oh, my God. For the it's listeners like, right now. It's like crazy. And it's got a little bit of that swing to it? It's totally got, it's this thing. So my thing on When I Think of You was that same kind of feel because simple bass line, boom, 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 boom. And everybody always said, tighten up. And I said, no, it's not tighten up. That wasn't the, because mm. I love tighten up, Archie Bell and the Drum. Right. Yeah. I love song. that song, but that wasn't the thing. It was literally Casey and the Sunshine Band. It was that kind of feel that those records gave yeah. you. It yeah. was just yeah. very kind of a floating. Sun, sunshine. <laughs> yeah, sunshine, <laughs> happy. But that's to the New Jack swing feel specifically, it, there's a little bit of a, of a pause before, yeah. like a little bit of a ding, ding, ding. It's not quite jazz, but like that's, yeah. that's what that is. It's not straight eighths, Exactly. Right? Just a little bit of a yeah, swing Yeah, a little bit of it. that, for sure. And I, awesome. I asked, and I asked I Teddy, was he, was he influenced at all by Nasty? Because to me, Nasty was the first... Mm-hmm. New Jack Swing song, just in my opinion. Not necessarily New Jack Swing song, but the first one to kind of have that kind of upbeat thing. You'll be glad to know there's a musicologist on Wikipedia who agrees with you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You always want to have the musicologist. Yeah, Yeah, when the musicologist signs in. not for the Grammys. Yeah. for the nerds. But no, Uh, but he said he wasn't, he said that that didn't really, but I remember being, uh, sorry to go off, I remember being with Babyface in LA at this club called Carlos and Charlie's. And, uh, and I want her came on and I remember I said, Ooh, what is this? Because the little reminded Mm. me of nasty. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
I think LA said, oh, it's Key Sweat. And I said, oh yeah, Key Sweat. I said, oh yeah. Key Sweat, the cool. stockbroker? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I said, this is cool. This is cool. And then Babyface said, no, the dude that did the record, Teddy Riley. Mm. You got to check him out. And I said, oh, Teddy Riley. And that was, so Babyface was the first one that said the name Teddy Riley to me. Mm. And I've been a fan ever since. There you go. So That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's hear some sense from the song that the Jacksons themselves knew would be the biggest hit. <laughs> they knew it. You played you play this song, you played the whole album? I played the them? whole album for them, and they all said, what's that one song? And I'm really? like going, nasty? Yeah. No. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? No. Pleasure Principle? No. I said, what song are you talking about? The song with the piano in it. I said, oh, when I think of you, that's going to be number one. Play this part till the end. So those mirage horns, those are samples, obviously, right? Those those hits, those horn hits, yeah. Are samples. Sampled uh, from floppy the disk mirage. Yep. Literally, the piano sound, the horn hits, yep. the uh, little uh, marimba sound is DX7. DX7, marimba, and the okay. bass line is DX7. And then there's also some guitar. There's Terry plays guitar on this. Terry one, right? plays guitar on it because we couldn't. We didn't have a guitar player. We couldn't find a guitar player, and we needed to finish the song. You're still looking for the for the female guitar player, it sounds like. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> but I don't think this entire part that is in the stem is what's used. I think some parts are muted, right? So when I play yes. this, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's very... Now here's the remix, the live remix on the fly. And if you really want those 808s... But yeah. that didn't exist, those 808s you were saying. No, you we put that those. in. We did that for the single. So right. when on the single, we wanted to spice it up a little bit because radio oh, had already inch, played. Yeah. Well, the radio had already played it a ton. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, we were just like, let's put it. And then we did a different intro because we did the, we started with the 808 on the mm-hmm. remix. Mm-hmm. Started with the 808 and then we had this little bell line that went boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Remember that? That's yeah. That's yeah, yeah. So that was, that's what we did. Just to have something a little special, you know, for radio to play that if, so it didn't burn out. You know. It wouldn't be a conversation without about control if we didn't hear a little bit more of Janet's vocals. Let's hear. Let's Janet. hear some Janet on "When I Think of You." Anytime my world gets crazy, all I have to do to calm it is just think of you. Such a great mm-hmm. like delivery too. She seems yeah. so confident. I also love this big harmony stack that, you know, I, you know, I love to build harmony stacks. So let's do that. <laughs> you got to listen to this part. What's going on here? Oh, we're, all just, we're all just standing around the mic, I think. Are you, is this like fat boys? Like, are you beatboxing? <laughs> right. But here's the best part coming up. Okay. I got a question. We're going to talk about the blap and you know, we're going to talk about the blap. What's the blap? Something happened because all of a sudden we hear this. going on here that's the laugh i was thinking about though when i was talking yeah. about you hear laughter on her oh on her, totally on her i'll play i'll play the whole thing through Sorry. i don't know <laughs> so good. did somebody just like like go boo or something it seems like a very genuine like blap but i don't remember <laughs> i honestly don't remember wow. but i mean <laughs> It's cool. Is that that's is her singing? Know, it? it's a bla- I know the laughing's in the mix. Is that? Oh yeah, the yeah. No, the, the no, the, the blaps in the mix. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, oh yeah, it's totally there. Okay. Totally there, but I can't remember what happened. What it was. And this Inspired is her doing it, right? 
Or is that somebody else? Like kind of sneaking up to the mm. microphone and going blap. <laughs> we don't know. Wow. Yeah, mystery. that one's going to, we're going to have to come back for this another mystery. episode. And need Robert to figure that out. <laughs> uh, need the mentalist. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. I'll have to, and I'm, I, I stopped Jimmy Jam. I know I'm going to talk to her today, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask her. You're going to ask Janet today? Remember. I'm asked Terry too. Okay. We, we, we tell them hello from us. Yes, please Absolutely say hi. will. Hi, guys. <laughs> Absolutely will. Just be like, hey, these are two nerds. That I <laughs> Don't know their names. <laughs> By the way, you told me I sound like Obama. You do. You sound like Questlove. Man. Wow. This interview's over. <laughs> nice having you, Jimmy Jam. <laughs> I got one last. I have one, I have one more question, and this could be a mystery, but this is an un, um, you know, some of these stems say, you know, Jimmy did this, Terry did yes. this. Who is this low male vocal? Is this you or is this Terry? Because when I think of you. Terry. That's Terry. Absolutely. Baby. Mr. Background, we used to call him. Because he's in the mix. Yes. when I think of you. Baby. So beautiful. All I think about is a remix of this. This would be so with his vocals up here yeah. and her supporting. Like that's a that's kind of a different song, and it makes me think like you should you should you know totally do a remix. Yeah, definitely a totally different song. <laughs> so fun. This no, song is so fun. Terry's got Terry's. I always called him Mr. Background because he could blend with anybody. Like wow. a lot of the like I'll tell you the the background vocals on Human. Humanly, unhumanly, that's him. Ooh, human. Oh, that's no Terry. Way. Yeah, he just human. had a very and and, yeah. and apparently it's not any of the girls from. The it's not League. the other girls. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that other girl on the track? I love, I love that. Do you want to just quickly tell that story? It's such a satisfying. Oh story. no, when we when we were doing Human, Terry worked with uh, Phil Oakey, the lead singer, for like six days to get that vocal. Like it's, he really worked hard to get the lead vocal. And so when we did the backgrounds, we used uh, Terry, a combination of Terry and Lisa Keith, who and Lisa Keith was like our secret weapon background mm. singer for everything. And when they heard the song, the girl said, who's that other girl on the track? <laughs> and we said, that's Lisa Keith. She's a background singer. I don't think we like that other girl on the track. Mm. So the next day, Phil, and Phil was seeing, I think it was He's Joanne. Joanne, yeah. I think. So anyway, the next day he comes back to the studio, he walks in the room and he goes, I just have to say, I don't like that. We don't like that other girl on the track. And we looked at him like, huh? I just have to say, we don't like that other girl on the track. Is he kind of winking? I just have to. He's not actually winking, but he's just kind of standing there very stiffly, like delivering a line. <laughs> and after about the third time he said it, we said, oh, you just have to say we don't like the girl on the track and he said yes i just have to say we said we get it we get it we get it okay cool and we called we called a and m and we just said hey we're taking the song off the record and they said what are you talking about it's a single we said no either we finish it the way we want to finish it or we're just going to okay. that's it crazy because you have the first number one single in your lives and then yep. five weeks later with the janet with when i think of you and five weeks later human by with the human. human league is your second yeah number one single yeah and then we're not going to talk about how you have 14 more number one singles after that. <laughs> okay. I, I'm just not going to bring that up. So I know. That's okay. Unfortunately, we are coming uh, to the end of the episode. And uh, there are a few more things that we'd love to ask you about Control. But I think what we're going to do is we're going to basically say, I, I think if you can, share with us how you feel like this album in particular did change your life. Wow. It, it was a total life changer certainly because of the success 
after the fact. Mm -hmm. But also because it was a proof and concept of a whole lot of things. One was moving to Minneapolis to do our studio up there rather than staying in LA. Um, The concept of working to getting to know what the artist wanted to say rather than just giving preconceived notions to them. So I think that was part of it too. Um, Us as engineers at this point, because we basically engineered that record, Um, we had an engineer walk out on us on the album before we did, which is the one with Saturday Love, the Shirelle record. And You walked out. Yeah, we had an engineer walk out in a disagreement. And so we had to learn how to run our studio. And it wasn't a laptop. It was like studio with tapes and uh, patch bays Mm -hmm. and all kinds of crazy stuff. So anyway... When we recorded that record, we actually recorded Control Way Too Loud because we had the, we didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so when Steve Hodge came up to mix it, he said, who recorded this? And we were all proud. <laughs> oh, we did. We did. <laughs> he said, it's way too loud. And we said, what do you mean? He said, everything's in the red. And we said, yeah, that's the way Prince did it. You know. And he said, yeah, but Prince's machines were set up where zero meant zero on the VU meter. Mm-hmm. Your machines are set up where zero is plus six. So you're already plus six at zero. Already. Before I can get and, somewhere Yeah. And, and we said, well, can you save it? And he said, yeah, it'll be fine. He said, but the next album, I'm going to teach you guys how to record. I'm going to come up and teach you guys how to record. And the next you album was that. Human League. Oh, wow. The next okay. album was Human League. So, yeah. But anyway, so so for a lot of reasons, yes, Control was uh, life-changing, obviously a lifetime friendship uh, with Janet. Um, she's godmother to my oldest-born son. Um, we're just, you know, we're as close as we can possibly be, way beyond work. Um, and I, I so think yeah, that's ground, a groundbreaking for sure. That, that 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 just goes to show. I think you know, just being in the room with you today, if it's not coming through to the uh, to the to the listeners, you know, just a, a you get the sense it's just a good person. You get the sense. I think the word used was humble. Yeah, generosity too. And, I feel and a lot of so generosity. generosity yeah. And uh, you know, we we've been in some rarefied spaces. We've been around some unique, very very talented but difficult individuals. You are not that. You you just seem to be just this really gifted, amazing, talented person who also happens to be like a sincerely cool guy. So we can't thank you enough, sir, for, for coming through the podcast today. Thank, thank you for having me. And I'll, I'll just say, well, I'll say thank you for having me, uh-huh. and then you can edit it. Stop it. <laughs> but I will say that when, when, when uh, we were working with Michael Jackson, I remember Michael said to me, he said, how do you want to be remembered? And I said, um, I thought about it for a second, and I said, I want to be remembered as a nice guy. And mm-hmm. he said, no, 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 no. For your, all your number one records <laughs> or your, you know, all your hits. And I said, no, I just want to be remembered as a nice guy. No, 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 no. For your, you know, this and that. And, and I said, no. I said, listen, Michael, that's all statistics stuff. I said, that doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, that's cool, but it doesn't really mean anything. He didn't get it. So fast forward about a year later, we had sampled, I think, Billie Jean or something for something. And they said, you'll never get it cleared. It'll never get cleared. <laughs> and we were like, okay, cool. So anyway, I called Michael and I just said, and it was funny because I remember my office, there was a girl, Sue, that worked for us. And Sue never came back to my office. She always would just sit up front and just intercom, right? She comes back to my office. She goes, Michael Jackson's on the phone. I said, okay. And she says, no, Michael Jackson's on the phone. I said, yeah, I heard you. She said, no, no, not somebody calling for Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson's on the phone. I said, I got it, Sue. I got it right, right. Michael, how you doing? Great, 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 great. He said, I know you want to ask me something, but can I just say something? And I, before you ask me, I said, yeah. He said, so people always ask me what it was like working with you. And I just say, Jimmy Jam was the nicest guy. 
And I said, exactly, Michael. And I said, you know the cool thing? When people ask me what it was like working with you, I tell him the exact same thing. He said, oh, really? He said, oh, that's so nice. What did you need? I said, well, we sampled Billie Billie Jean. Oh, just call John Brank. I'll tell him to take care of it and whatever, whatever. And everybody's like, how'd you get that cleared? And I said, I guess I'm a nice guy. So that at the end of the day is, doesn't mean I'm not going to get along. Doesn't mean we're not going to disagree on things. It doesn't mean any of that. I just think nice, kind, all of those things. To me, I, I was just, I was just, I wasn't born with it. I was raised like that between my parents, maybe. And probably some of Minnesota nice <laughs> kind of sneaks into there. Hey. But I just think, um, I don't know. I mean, to me, that it, it doesn't take any more energy to be positive than it does to be negative. And a lot of people wake up looking to be offended. Like they almost wake yeah. up with an attitude like, what's going to offend me today? Or who am I going to talk about today in a bad way? I wake up and I go, whose life can I make better today? In some way, in some little way, I would. That's why be I, remiss why I if I didn't thank you like very profusely for the fact that you Instagrammed me, and our conversation begins with you saying I like your breakdowns. But I was nearly in tears, thinking oh, that's a bit much. But like it was one of the most moving things as an artist that the next thing you said was the I think I got into you and you named one of my songs mm-hmm. <laughs> because of one of my song I need you. And I was like, I can't believe that you've heard of me for anything, but for my music. And <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it was very, very meaningful and moving. So thank I, I you very much I just think it's important. Uh, yeah. And, and so it's cool because it talks about why we're here today. It's because if I see something, I, I don't like to leave things unsaid. We talked a little bit about Prince earlier. There were so many things that I felt like I didn't get to see or I didn't get to say to Prince. And I've always mm. tried to make it a point when I see something that I like from somebody, I let them know it. If it's a DM or whatever, I don't even know whether they're going to ever read it or whatever, but I want to let people know when I enjoy something that they're doing. And that's how we met initially and then how we yeah. Thank you. met. That's, that, Thank that's you for being so generous. The best way. Yeah. I think that's one of the main reasons, other than your God-given talent, that you literally, you and Terry, you guys go from, you know, the band, the band-driven R&B of the, of the, you know, late 70s, early 80s, all the way to the present. Almost nobody else can brag that. And I think that uh, we just are very grateful to a very nice man known <laughs> as Jimmy Jam. Uh, thank you so much for coming through today. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you, Jimmy Jam. Oh, thank you. Thank you, everybody. And uh, Luxury, as always, help me in this thing. Well, I'm producer, DJ, and songwriter Luxury. And I'm actor, writer, director, and sometimes DJ, Diallo Riddle. And this is one song. We will see you next time. This episode was produced by Matthew Nelson and Jordan Colling, with engineering from Marcus Hom. Additional production support from Leslie Guam, Charles Childers, and Alicia Shimada. The show is executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, Mike Stein, Brian Smiley, Eric Eddings, and Eric Wilde. Did you know that Mike Myers was accused of stealing one of his characters in Austin Powers? Or that Gina Davis chose Brad Pitt over George Clooney in Thelma and Louise? Or that Tom Cruise had a clause in his contract that he wouldn't go topless in Top Gun? If you're curious to hear more film facts, you should be listening to our podcast, Unspooled, where on any given episode, you're going to learn something fascinating about a film you thought you knew. I'm Paul Shearer. You might know me from my podcast, How Did This Get Made, The League, Black Monday, or Fresh Off the Boat. 
I'm Amy Nicholson. I'm a film critic who writes for The New York Times. And on Unspooled, we unspool famous films to see if they are truly all-time classics. Or just remembered that way. Listen to Unspooled, new episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.